The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister and Executive Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Uh, today, I have one of Reverend Coleman's favorite people in the whole world. She used to talk about this gentleman all the time like a brother. Today, I have on the show the Aramaic Bible scholar, Near Eastern expert, and all things Bible expert who I love so dearly, Dr. Rocco Errico. How you doing there, Dr. Errico? Just fine. Thank you, Galen. Beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, sometimes when I go and I listen to the, my old uh, 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 sermons of uh, Reverend Coleman or sermons when you were at Christ Universal Temple speaking, one of the things that come, came across, whether in person or even on tape years later, is just how much love you and Reverend Coleman have for each other. I mean, it's, oh, it, yes. it was a special thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, definitely. So today, um, Dr. Errico, um, as I mentioned to you via email and on the phone, I wanted to talk about your book, Aramaic Light on the Gospel of John in particular. Um, okay. You know, uh, you know, I have, you know, the Aramaic series, and I must admit that I'm still reading through. It's a lot of material, not just to read, but to digest and, and process and et cetera. But for whatever reason, I keep going back to this book and... I wanted to ask you some questions and hopefully other people who have questions about the Gospel of John from an Aramaic perspective can, you know, obviously ask those questions and do what we need to do. So I'm going to, first of all, just let the callers know what the number is. I'm going to ask some questions, but I want to make sure that the callers have an opportunity to have the information. So when they want to call in, they can if they so choose to do so. Uh, The number is 816 Two five one three five 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 eight one six two five one three five five five. So, uh, Dr. Erico, the very first thing I actually want to ask you about this book actually is on uh, page seven of chapter one, the mm-hmm. prologue, because um, you translate from the Aramaic. I'm not going to read all of it, but you translate from the Aramaic the first eighteen verses. Uh, the poem uh, that starts the Gospel of John in the beginning was the word. You translated this first part. The word was always in existence, and he, the word, was always with God, and God was always that very word. And then on the very two pages later, you start to explain that the word, the word, has many more meanings than what we normally, uh, uh, you know, are presented to from the English, uh, Greek, and other things. Could you expound on that a little bit, please? Sure, I will. But before I do that, may I say something about the commentary? Sure, first absolutely. First of all, when it was first written, it was written in the 1940s by Dr. George M. Lamza. 
who was my mentor. He wrote the commentary originally, and when I started working with him, I worked with him, uh, you know, w- with him for ten years, and um, he wanted to redo the commentaries, but he passed on before he could do that. He left it up to me to do that, so. That's what I did. I redid all his commentaries and added all new material from the ancient Aramaic language. He was from the Near East. He's the one who kept a lot of these ancient customs that are no longer being kept, only in certain areas. So uh, this is what makes the commentary so unique and distinct, not only because it throws light on scripture from certain Aramaic words, which we're going to get into when I answer your question, but it also is from the Near Eastern culture and background. No other person translating from Aramaic that I know of today has that ability because all they know it is from a book and the training of the language and not from the culture, the Semitic background, which Dr. Lamza was a Syrian. We call him Rabbi Lamsa. So I wanted to state all that before uh, we could answer some of your questions and people who may call in. You quoted one of the most famous verses in the Gospel of John, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Notice I don't translate it that way. First of all, in Aramaic, let me tell you how it sounds in Aramaic when we say, in the beginning was the word and word. That's how most people translate it. And right. they use the, for the word, word, they use the Greek term logos, L-O-G-O-S. And it, in Aramaic, it's milcha. And in Aramaic, the subject comes last. Listen, I'm going to say it for you. Milta. Notice that's my last word is milcha, which yes. is word. But when you put it in English, it's got to be the subject, and it should come first. So the word I translated was always in existence because the word at the beginning, like it translated, the word was at the beginning, and that very word was always with God, and God was that very word, was always that very word. Okay. It's because of the usage of the verb ithawa. Ithawa means something that was always in existence and will continue to be in existence. Okay, so let's get to the meaning of the word word. In Aramaic, and just as a normal sense of the meaning of the word, milfa, it means word, it means verb, the action. Okay. I could have also translated the verb was always in existence. Mm-hmm. But it, the word there, milta, has another deep, profound meaning, which no one translates it. It means energy of mind. I did not put it in the commentary because I would have to go into a huge explanation on it. Because we have to go into the meaning of the word God, Notice, I'm going to quote again the way you quoted it from my translation. The word was always in existence. Yes. If you translate it, mind energy was always in existence. And that, the reason why it's he is because it's speaking of mind energy. 
when you just speak of it as word or verb, it's feminine. Which masculine and feminine is everything in in Aramaic is either masculine or feminine. I could have translated it, and that word was always with God rather than he the word. Because uh, I was more literal with the use of the masculine. Because milta can be masculine or feminine, depending on how it's used. Okay. And so it's the mind energy was always in existence. And I'm trying to translate it a little differently. And that mind energy was always with God. Now, we have this term, God. If you look it up in the dictionary, the word God, it'll say a deity, it'll say supreme being, it'll have that for the word God. But in Aramaic, when I say the word God in Aramaic, I say Allaha. Allaha. And what does Allaha mean? What did it mean in the Semitic tongue in which we bring into English as the word God? What does Allaha mean? And I have an, a, an old, ancient uh, um, dictionary from Aramaic to Aramaic. And I love the meaning that they put in there. And, I, of course, I have to put it in English for you. But what it says, you look up the word Allaha, and then it says in Aramaic, it says, Ethia, Ethia. Rabba, Ethia Rabba. What does Ethia Rabba mean when we say the word Allaha in the Semitic language? You you got to change your thinking. You got to get out of the word God. Get out of it, because you know. Let me tell you, this word God has so many different meanings to different people. Some of it means good. Some of it means love. Some of it means I don't like it. <laughs> it has. It's a loaded word in English. God is. But when you understand it from Semitic tongues, it takes on a different meaning. In Hebrew, it's Elohim, but I don't want to get into the Hebrew because it's, it's another set of ideas which we get, which I didn't want to get into, because we're dealing with the New Testament and it was written in Aramaic. And the word Allaha here means Ithya Rabba, Ithya Rabba, which is self-existent okay self-existent the word that we always use for god in english comes from alaha which is self-existence ethia ethia okay then i just want to mention we do have a caller that actually called in for okay. a question is it possible right. we can go back to this because i know yeah you, don't let you're me explain it because i want to explain how we got how we change that word ethia how it changed over the times because that's interesting and then we'll go back to self-existent okay 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 um could mm -hmm. you put the uh caller in uh stan in please hi stan are you there yeah i'm here how are you how you guys doing doing well doing well do you have a question for dr erico yes i do um so uh doctor was talking about how the these words uh, in particular, two words. One of them, he was saying, that meant um, that in the beginning, God, God was there, and then he just said that uh, God was self-existence, which I, I take to mean that God was there 
alone before anything else existed that was God. So my question is, how does that jive with the notion that in the beginning God was there plus Jesus and the Holy Spirit, in other words, the Trinity? Now, I, I, so I don't know if this if this makes sense from the context that, well, I, I don't know how, how this works in terms of whether uh, your belief system says that the Trinity is true or the Trinity is not true, but how, how does that line up uh, in terms of this, this idea that God was there and God alone uh, versus God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? Okay. Number one, uh, don't go by my belief. Forget forget my belief. I'm going to give you history, okay? Forget my belief. Regardless of whether I believe or don't believe in what we call the Trinity. I believe mm-hmm. it happened in history, and I can tell you the history of it, because I was there in Nicaea, and not only that, I know the history <laughs> of Nicaea. <laughs> yes. Okay. First of all, the notion of the Trinity, the idea of the Trinity is definitely not Semitic. It is Western. And it came uh, in 325 A.D. And jokingly, I always say, that's when God found out he was three. <laughs> in 325 A.D., in Nicaea, Nicaea is in Turkey. Nicaea, uh, at that time, it would have been Asia Minor, but today we know it as Turkey. And Nicaea, they had the first ecumenical council, which was formed by the Emperor Constantine when he began to take control of the church. And they started a beginning. It was never settled. I mean, they had several other ecumenical councils. They never fully, that they argued over the Trinity constantly. In fact, I hate to tell you this, but most people don't know it. At Ephesus, when they were arguing over this and how much uh, Jesus was God and how much it is, and they were arguing over all this, they started to kill the other, other priests who were against that idea. Most people don't know that. It's in history. They murdered because of the doctrine of the Trinity. Who was right and who was wrong? So you see, Islam is not the only one that does murder. Christians did it too. And, and most people don't know that. And you can look it up, it's there. I'm not making it up. So the original Trinity in Aramaic was Father meant mind, M-I-N-D. Don't think brain, please. When I say mind, don't think brain. The brain doesn't create mind. Mind creates brain. Then the next thing was sun meant wisdom because the sun expressed the wisdom of mind, the father. The father was the, was the creator. It, it, that's why they used the term mind. The second thing was wisdom. The, the third thing was life. Is the spirit that gives life. So that's where they got the idea of the three. Don't think of three separate persons. The, the, it's a wrong term to use the word persons, three persons in one. There are no three persons in one. It is only 
one alaha, one self-existent, this one self-existent expressed as mind, as wisdom, and as life, and the, which they said was the father because that's the the mind is what begets through thought and everything. Mind, wisdom is the expression, and life is what you get from it, and. That's the real meaning of Father, Son, and Spirit from Aramaic. Uh, and it's from a book called the Marganita. Marganita in Aramaic means the gem, the pearl, the great pearl. And it, that's how the early church fathers explained the Trinity. Not the way the Roman and Greeks did it with the three persons. However, because I tell you that... I don't care what people believe. I don't care whether they believe in three persons, 20 persons, 50 persons, one person, two persons. doesn't make any difference to me. The thing is, that's history. And I go by what, how you treat yourself and how you treat others, how I live out my truth. How well do I live it out? That's, to me, what's important. That's what Jesus was all about, see. And his name isn't Jesus. His name is Ishua. And in the Hebrew pronunciation, they say Yeshua, but it's really Ishua. He had an Aramaic name. He was from Galilee, and they used basically the northern Galilean Aramaic expression, which was Ishua. And, but in Hebrew, they say Yeshua. But the Y is really a double E sound, Ishua is how you say his name. So this, when we're reading this here in John, they never even heard of the Trinity. That was invented 325 years, well, a little less than that, but in 325 A.D. in the council, the first ecumenical council formed by the Emperor Constantine when he took control of the church. There's the best I can answer your question. Okay. Well, thank you. You, sir, are amazing. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Stan, for calling in. Uh, Dr. Erico, before we go back to the uh, to the word, is one more mm-hmm. caller that came in. I want to give him an opportunity because he, he called right after Stan. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, Donald. Is Donald, can we put Donald in, please? Hello. Thank you, Donald, uh, Reverend Galen. And thank you, Dr. Erico, for taking my question. Um, Dr. Erico, I'm coming out of the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 12, verse 25, and I just want to know if you can give me some uh, commentary on the verse that says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, mm-hmm. and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it into life eternal. Um, well, in other words... Jesus' teachings demand that you give everything. The word there for life is not our usual word for life. It's, it's the word nausha in Aramaic. And he was called nephish. And it means, it's been translated many times as soul. And it means the self, your being. If, In other words, to be his disciple you have to be willing to sacrifice your life. If, you, if you're afraid of that, then you'll not find life eternal. Because, uh, meaning this, this soul life, which does not die, and, and I, I hesitate using the word soul, 
It means the self, the being, the true self that is in every one of us, the original self. Most people don't know where they came from. They think they just came from a mother and father, but they didn't. They came from more than that. They come from a consciousness which is eternal. This is what I was. This is what I was talking about when I was explaining what God is, the self-existent. We all come from one ethnicity. We we always do it based on race, but a spirit is where our great ethnic background is, and that's where we are one. We are one there, and we have to always come from that position. So what Jesus was saying there in the Gospel of John is you have to be willing to let, if you're trying to preserve your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your soul. There's another place in the Gospel of John, not John, I'm in Matthew, where he said, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul? It's that same word there, nephish. In other words, what does it profit you if you get all this material stuff, but you lose sight of what, where, and, and who, and what you really are? You lose sight of it, and you turn yourself over to materialism. You gain the whole world, but you lose your life, because your life is not your physical self. Your life is more than that. It's the nausha, the nephish in Aramaic and Hebrew. So that's what Jesus was talking about. And you lose it. You can lose it. But if you're willing to lose it, that is, surrender it to God, then you find it and you realize life is eternal. It's a beautiful, beautiful teaching of Jesus. Yes, yes. And I'm not trying to take up any more time, Doctor, but Mm -hmm. when you... And we doing the commentary from Dr. Lanza. Did you find something that surprised you after redoing it again? Uh, was it? Well, what I did is I read it and plus added a lot more. But let me tell you, if I if I gave you everything I knew about the Aramaic, and mm-hmm. I try to keep I try to keep the same thing that Dr. Lanza wrote it when he wrote it back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. But I added a lot of new material. For instance, the way I translate John, Dr. Lanza doesn't translate it that way. I have a lot of new material in there. Plus, I explain the cross. Uh, he did. He did part of it. I did most of it. I have three or four pages that he only did one page on, and I added more to it so people would understand what it means for God to love the world. He gave His only begotten Son because that is totally misunderstood. And the real meaning is lost. And I have page after page that I added all new material. So I added a lot of new material in there that Dr. Lambda didn't put in there. Uh, I went into the prophets and all the background on that. Um, it, it's under, it's in my book on page 50, it's called Did God Pay a Ransom? You see, we use a wrong term when we refer to what Jesus did. He brought salvation, not redemption. Redemption is a wrong word. When you redeem something, you have to pay someone for for that redeeming. That's not what it is. It should be salvation. Redemption is a wrong term. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages explaining John 3.16. Later on, the followers of Jesus later on changed it, that Jesus died for our sins. 
He didn't die for our sins. He died because of them, because men were bent on evil and doing evil. And and he died because of people's evil ways, the same way Martin Luther King died and the same way Gandhi died. Or anyone who presents something new or change like that because men are bent on one way, my way only, and they kill for it, for ideology. They will kill for political ideology. They will kill for religious ideology. They will kill for philosophy ideology. They'll do it for all of it, all of it. And science will do it. It's it's amazing. It's amazing what we've done. And we don't get to the root of what a human being is. Our only salvation is understanding. And Jesus brought that understanding to us. But we killed him, of course. And it wasn't just one group that killed him. If Jesus were here today, we'd hang him up again. Because his teachings were revolutionary, tremendously revolutionary, just like Gandhi was and Martin Luther King was. We like to snuff out the voices that are too strong. Mm. Well, yes. Doctor, I appreciate you, and thank you for allowing me this time. Thank you. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Donald, for calling in. Much appreciated. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Erico, you've been giving such great answers that uh, we're about one minute or so from our break. So I, um, when when we come back, it's one more caller that's on hold. Uh, okay. And I want to give her an opportunity to do it. And then we're going to go right back to my original question. You know, okay. you know, having you for an hour is wonderful, but it only seems like, you know, it's just an appetizer uh, because you have so much information. And it, sometimes it's challenging Um you know, to to want to even hang up because I just want to listen to you talk. I almost forgot I was hosting this show. I was just listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, let me give the quick little commercial that I do before the uh, we go on break. Um, okay. This show, yeah, <laughs> uh, Truth Transforms, along with all the other Unity Online radio shows, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give. My request is that you go on to unityonlineradio.org, click on the donate button, and help support this online ministry so messages like this can continue to go around the world. This show and other shows go to all of the continents and many times in places where they don't have access to this type of information. So please make sure that you are a stand for the transformation of human consciousness. Uh, We're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Ogan Holder speaking at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts on Living an Abundant Life. Examine your life. Whatever you may think is missing, 
or lack it or you wish you had, realize that you are bearing false witness against your true self and speak words of abundance to it. Speak words of truth to it and to yourself and repeat them over and over again until you've brainwashed yourself into believing that you are divine. The moment you begin to think and speak as if truly you are the embodiment of all that is. This is the only thing we got to get in through our thick skulls. Living the abundant life is not about what we have. Living the abundant life is realizing that we have it all. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and deepen your spiritual journey. Pastor Nadia Boltzweber talks about the need to make a holy shift. Carolyn Mace gets gutsy with God. Justine Willis-Toms dives into new dimensions. And Alberto Violdo shares an excerpt from his new book, Heart of the Shaman. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Experience everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James every Monday at 4 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. In today's busy world, it's easy to get overwhelmed and disconnected. Tune in to the show for practical tips on how to handle whatever life throws at you. Dr. James welcomes some interesting guests and will help you get through any challenges you have with grace. Join the show live or listen later on demand right here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have uh, a guest on the show today. If you're just tuning in, uh, Dr. Rocco Erico, who is a, an Aramaic Bible scholar, translator, and expert of the ancient Near East, uh, as my guest today. Dr. Erico, before we start back with the questions, and we have a caller online, uh, I do want to uh, ask you about, uh, you know, how can people get in contact with you? Your website, are you working on any projects, or anything you want to let the audience know right now? Yes. If they if they would like, they can go straight to my uh, website, which is www.nuhra, N-O-O-H-R-A, dot org or dot com. You'll get on either way. That's www.nuhra, N-O-O-H-R-A, dot org or com. And Nuhra in Aramaic means light. I have I have many videos on there. There's no charge for them that they can in, uh, listen to and see. 
and uh, they're welcome to it. And they can even call the foundation here in uh, Georgia, and we have all kinds of books, commentaries, and everything available. And right now I'm working on a new book called States of Happiness, where I'm going to show how the teachings of Jesus not only help us community-wise, but they also help us biologically. It changes our body, believe it or not. It does something in it. That's why I call the book States of Happiness. I'm just working on it now. That's my project for now. And I'm going to be starting a school called the Aramaic School of Light, but that probably won't be until sometime in the fall uh, coming up, because I'm making arrangements. It's all going to be on the computer. So people okay. can be in their own home, comfort of their own home, home and learn. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I'll definitely be getting in contact with you all about that because, you know, uh, I, I my my Rocco Erico library is quite extensive. I'll just say, without a shadow of a doubt, I I still have my cassettes. <laughs> so I, I don't play around. I um, also so teach Dr. the Aramaic language online too. Oh, oh, that, oh, that definitely works. So we'll, we'll talk offline, uh, Dr. Erico, because, okay. you know, I'm ready to rumble. So okay. we have a, a, another caller on the line. Cherie, Cherie, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for having Dr. Erico on, the, on, the, on your show. Um, I'll get right to my question. So I, I have a couple questions about the Holy Spirit. So the first um, reference um, that I'm that I'm thinking of is when Jesus, uh, after the crucifixion, when Jesus appeared to the disciples and uh, said to receive the Holy Spirit, and then um, on the ascension in Acts, um, uh, where it's written, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you." Can you just talk about the Holy Spirit? Um, I've always known it as being the activity of God. I would I would love to hear. Uh, your take on it. But Cherie, you're absolutely right. That's what it is. It's the activity of God. It's it's the flow of God in our life is what that is. It's the action of God in our life. Spirit is what moves us and it and it is the invisible part of us, see, that's flowing through us. God's spirit and our spirit is one spirit. And it flows through us, and when Jesus, when Jesus says He gave them Spirit, you know, there it meant something different. It meant He encouraged them. That's an Aramaic way of speaking. Spirit, Spirit also means your breath. He, He, when He says and He, He breathed on them, and He He gave them the Spirit, which means He encouraged them. That's what that means there in the Gospel of John. But in the book of Acts, it meant more the dynamic action of spirit, which would work through them. Those are two different ideas in two different places. It depends on, Mm. you have to watch what the the word, how you say spirit in Aramaic is ruha. It's Aramaic and, and Hebrew almost identical. They're sister languages. They say ruach in Hebrew, but it's ruha in Aramaic. And it means the action, it can mean courage, it can mean all kinds of things. For instance, in the first chapter of Genesis, 
where we have the creation of human beings, it says, And God said, Let us make humankind our image and our likeness. That word uh, there in Hebrew is the word Adam. But in Aramaic, it's the word nasha. Nasha means the breath, means the breath of humankind. Let us make the breath of humankind. It's in the second verse of that chapter, which is 27, verse 27, which says, So God created he him. Now, don't get confused with the word him there, because the word Adam is masculine. It doesn't mean male. Does not mean male. It, it's it, it's a general term for humanity. It should be it. So he created he it, referring to Adam it, but it the it is the breath. Then it says male female made he them. That's when the distinction came in between male. And female, but now we're getting into physicality. The moment you say male, the moment you say female, you're into physicality. You're into the material, physical phenomenon when you say male and female. But in the first one, it says Adam, meaning humankind, the breath of humankind, the breath for all humankind is the same. It's only in the production of the physical that we get color, that we get... It's like a flower that blossoms. We have all kinds of colors. We have all kinds of shapes. We have all kinds of fragrances. All that comes from the physicality, that is, from the physicalness of what we see today. But the original, the breath, is the same everywhere. Everywhere, no matter what. Male, female, no matter what color, no matter what shape, no matter what. That's the original idea. So spirit. It was spirit there when it refers to breath in the creation of humanity. So you have to watch spirit all the way through. And it says, the soul that sins, it shall die. Because they also use the word soul and spirit interchangeably in the Bible. Well, the soul doesn't die. The soul cannot die. But yet the scripture says so. Because you have to understand that the word soul also in Aramaic can mean a person. You have to understand how it's used. The person that commits a crime will be punished for the crime, shall die. But look at how people change it around. It's the same thing with the word spirit. You asked a wonderful question, Cherie, just wonderful. So you have to understand where in the scripture and how the word ruha is used in different places. Wow. Okay. Okay, I need 50 classes on the Holy Spirit. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sheree, for calling in. Much appreciated. Uh, So, Dr. Erico, because we have put a pin in you teaching about the word and self-existence, I didn't want to go back to it to give us why we don't have any callers right now to, uh, Uh to allow you to finish that thought. Okay, so now keep in mind the meanings of the word word, and keep in mind the meaning of the word uh, God. All right, remember, word means mind energy, or energy of mind, either way you want to put it. Mind energy, and God is self-existent. 
the great self-existent. In other words, it, it is of itself, from itself, to itself, by itself. It doesn't need anything else. And it is from that that creation comes from, from the self-existence. When it says, and God said, it's, it's really, and when mind energy said, that is the thought, let light be, and the next line says, and light was. That is the manifestation of light. Light is nothing but wave and particles. That's all it is. And when you were reading it in John, what it's saying is, and you have to read it all the way through, all those, that wonderful song and poem there in the Gospel of John, the 18 verses, you've got to keep in mind it's talking about the milta. This mind energy became flesh, meaning manifested itself in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. But in the beginning, it was with God, meaning mind energy was always a part of God. And furthermore, the self-existent was always mind energy. Now, that's very metaphysical. But you have to understand it. We come from that world. We come from a a self-existent world. This world here is only a picture of the invisible self-existent world. People often ask me, too, may I go into this? They ask me if when we pass, what what will happen when we pass, when we lose the physical body? Will we still see things? Will we, you know, I'm, I'm always asked that question. I can tell you definitely yes. Dr. Lambs and I used to discuss this all the time. He said, everything you see here, now not buildings, not cars, <laughs> not all that kind of stuff, but trees and grass and all that. He says, the image of it always existed. And now the expression of it is we see it in the physical material world. And But not only that, you can find people who have had near-death experiences. They can tell you what they've seen. God is the self-existent one. Don't think of God as a person. There are no persons in God. It's just plain God. No persons. And we always call it, we always because we're using the Roman and Greek term uh, of persons. In Aramaic, it's a kanoma. A kanoma means a manifestation. And God has many manifestations. So, (laughs) but the principal one is mind, mind, wisdom, and life. That's when they came up with the Trinity. So there you have the first chapter of John and the very first verse. I mean, for me, to go through that entire poem is wonderful. Keep in mind, keep in mind, in thought, keep in thought, when you're reading all the rest of the verses that follow verse 1, that that light, that that, that that mind energy was the light, and that mind energy, you have to do it all the way through until it comes to the 12th verse where it says, and mind energy became flesh. Now we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. Okay, so Dr. Erica, we do have another caller on named Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce, it, uh, are you there? 
Bruce, are you there? Uh, yes. Uh, good afternoon or good morning, Galen. This is Bruce Montgomery here in Chicago. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Hi, Bruce. Do you have a question for Dr. Erico? Uh, yes, I do. First of all, I wanted to thank Dr. Erico so much. Um, he, I remember when uh, Galen and I were young students at. Uh, the Johnny Coleman Institute, and one of the things was such a great unveiling to me is when you introduced the notion, not only the translation in Aramaic, but the point of idioms, that all cultures have idioms and ways and figures of speech. And it was like it was a tremendous veil that was lifted for me, and I said, my God, this is so relevant because we're reading this so literally. And when I said, well, wait a minute, people in all cultures have physics of speech. And that was just a great awakening moment during my early days of learning uh, under your tutelage and, and the things that you brought. But I wanted to ask, a, my question is, also with your mastery of the translation and the language, there's another element that is so vital. And I want you to speak on spirit discerning spirit so that we we read we study to show ourselves approved we look at the various translations but at some point we have to put the words down and allow the vibration of spirit to inform us and clearly this has been a big part of your mastery and your teaching i'd like you to speak to the value of allowing the the spirit and the vibration to to move beyond just even the translation to giving us real spiritual discernment? Well, number one, the translations are very important because it has it has harmed a lot of people the way most people understand the translation. But aside from that, spirit is greater than any translation. I agree with you with that 100%. And spirit is the one that gives us the knowledge and the understanding. There's knowledge that informs and there's knowledge that transforms. And spirit knowledge is always that transforming knowledge. But once you understand that what that something that you had understood from the scripture was not right, it frees you. It mm-hmm. absolutely frees you, see, so that spirit can take you deeper into an understanding. So that's very important. That's very important to be guided by the spirit always. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lamson, for being here today. And and you sound like Galen says, you get so excited when you speak and you teach. And, and it is just so wonderful, your your love of your uh, sharing and, and expanding. Uh, you sound like a, a teenager just uh, sharing this energy. It is so much fun. I we just you. love it so much. And we appreciate you and love you. Uh, here at Christ Universal Temple and at Johnny Coleman Institute. Thank you. So you know, I love everyone us. there. I love everyone there. You know, Johnny was a strong part of my life, too. Thank yes, you. Yes. Thank, thanks, Bruce. I'll see you on Sunday, brother. God bless. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Erico, because we only have about nine minutes left, and I, I, I was waiting for this particular question. Um, and it's, it's a two-parter. It's on page 170 and 171 where you have, you define to prepare a place if in John chapter 14, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then a few verses later, where it said, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man yeah. cometh unto me but by my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Uh, so I was, this was really, because that I'm the way, the truth, and the life was drilled in, into my brain as a child by my grandmother who uh, was, an, was an evangelical teacher minister. You know, now mm-hmm. Jesus is it. Jesus said, the gospel of John said, it's only Jesus. And I really wanted you to speak on it before uh, we run out of time. Where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. And no man cometh unto the Father except by me. Well, you, again, we pull things out of its setting. Jesus was talking about, they did. people did not recognize that he was an expression of God on earth. His healing ministry, his, his the, what he taught, everything he did. The word, I am the way, means my teaching is the path. Okay. You see, when he says, I am, it, in Aramaic, I can say this in Aramaic, Ennana is how you say I am, Ennana. The way is Urha. The truth is Shrara. And the word life is Hayye. I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> In Aramaic, when you when you refer to a teaching that you teach, you say, I am the way, meaning what I am teaching you is the way, is the truth. And if you really want to see the Father, it's what I've been teaching you, what I've been telling you. The word way means the path. The truth means something that is firm and that gives you life, awakens you. No one comes to the Father. Meaning, you don't realize it, but I am an expression of the Father. And you, you come to it through me. Uh, everything I've been doing is an expression of the Father. This is what he's talking about. If you had known me, you should have known the Father, which means I'm an expression. Let me put it this way. It's like, a, just think of a father and a son. The son is carrying on the works of the father. Okay, I can even use myself. I was a colleague and also a student of Dr. George M. Lamsa, who brought this Aramaic light into America. He did it way back in the early uh, 1900s. It, I mean, uh, not 1900s, in, in the 19... about. 16, 18, all in that area. He came in here and brought all this all in here. And and he started his translation in the 30s and 40s. Well, I, if you want to know Lamza, you got to know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I was with him, worked with him 10 years. And plus I've been continuing his legacy. But it's a way of expression. <laughs> I am not Lamza. But I am an expression of Lamza. This is what it means. No one comes to the Father except through me because I'm expressing the Father. He wasn't showing that if that you can't find God directly. When he said, when you pray, pray our Father. Right? Yes. And he taught, when he taught us to pray, he says, when you pray, pray something like this. He says, our Father, etc. And we all know the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so our Father. Why didn't he say... Pray me. <laughs> right. He didn't say right. that. 
He didn't. He says, you pray our Father. So you know anyone can go to God, period. Hmm? Yes. So he wasn't isolating God, but he was showing them because they, the people don't, he was healing and stuff. And they even asked him. One of his own disciples asked him, so well, show us the Father and we'll be, we'll be happy. <laughs> and he, he said to them, I've been with you all this time and you do not recognize it. I'm an expression of the Father. I am the Son. The Son is the image of the Father, of the family. Children are images of the, of the mother and the father. So this is what Jesus was talking about. But we made it that unless you come to him, you're out. That is not true. That is not true. Right, that, right. That is religious doctrine and dogma. We misinterpret what Jesus is saying here because we want to make our way the only way. We want to make my belief the only belief. We want to make my ideology, my my religious ideas, my, the only way. And that's why Islam is killing. Certain groups of people in Islam are killing, because they believe they're the only way. And unless you're in that way, we kill you. <laughs> that's ridiculous. We do yes. it other ways. In Christianity, we don't kill people. We just commit them to hell. You don't believe what I do believe? Then we'll put you in hell. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I call it... We isolate uh, Scripture and don't yeah. keep it in its setting. And that's what we've done with this very, very wonderful teaching of Jesus when he said, I am the way, meaning my teaching is the way. I've demonstrated the Father to you. And if you really want to know the Father, then take out my teachings. You, you'll find it. Same thing when people say, no, Lamza isn't here anymore physically, but I've been teaching what he taught me, plus more, and the continuation of it, see. But I can say that. If you want to see Lamza, you have to see me. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. As a matter of fact, um, one of the ministers at the church um, – I used to have these conversations with, with, um, with her husband. You know, uh, Reverend Evelyn Boyd. Her husband yeah. is deceased, uh, Henry, and mm -hmm. Henry was a part of of, of the Nora Found, Foundation. But he was originally mm -hmm. a part of I can't remember what the original Aramaic Bible Society or something like that in yes. the seventies, early seventies, and and because I was more exposed to you, I would say, well. I'll just listen. If I want to know, I'll just listen to Dr. Erico. He's like, no, you got to go back to the original lambs. And for me, my argument was, if I read you, I know your teacher. <laughs> that, was, that was like legitimately my argument. I have, now I do have all the material, not everything, but things that were available uh, in print for Dr. Lambs. But we would have these uh, good debates about the work because I do believe in a real way. Um, what you're saying uh, about when you need to, when you want to meet Dr. Lambs or you have to go through you. Cause I can remember, and I don't think I've ever said this publicly, uh, but I actually, before Reverend Coleman passed, before Johnny passed, I actually said to her at her bedside, I said, as long as there's breath in my body, people don't know what you taught. Uh huh. You know, I think it's the same essence. You know, I'm not going to let her message and her ministry fall down when I know that she invested so much in me. So I totally get what you're saying um, yes. in, a, in a real way. 
uh, uh, Dr. Erica, we, we've almost run out of time. We have about one minute left. So uh, the first thing I want to do is let the listeners know yet again that you can get uh, in contact Dr. Erica and get his commentaries and his different books and his uh, audio or video programs at NORA.com, N-O-O-H-R-A.com or .org. Make sure that you get this commentary, Aramaic Light on the Gospel of John. Get all of the commentaries. Uh, he, he has commentaries from Genesis to the book of Revelation. So allow this work to transform your biblical knowledge and, as he stated before, free you. Uh, Dr. Erico, in 15 seconds, can you say anything to, uh, to the audience to wrap up, please? Yes, I'd give him a blessing in Aramaic. Which is Slama Rabba Uba Rabba Haduta Rabda Nehewon Amhon Hashal Alam Almin Amen. Abundant peace, abundant love, and abundant joy are with you all, always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Erico. God bless you okay. and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.